So last week, we finally saw the announcement of the Android 11 public beta. It was a month late due to all the things going on in the world, but now we finally have the build installed and I'm using it. And we have some new consumer facing features instead of the developer stuff. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and today's topic is all Android 11. So Jason, I know you don't have a Pixel phone, which is what it's limited to right now to install and actually use this, but Android 11 adds quite a few consumer features. And the first one I wanna talk about is what they're calling bubbles. And this was supposed to make its debut with Android 10 and actually got pushed back. And now we have it and it's kind of sort of working in the beta. It's pretty rough right now. But what it is, if you've used Facebook Messenger chat heads on an Android device where that little bubble of the avatar pops up on your screen, and you could tap on that and access your conversation from any screen, no matter what you're doing on your phone, that's Bubbles, but for a wider range of apps. What do you think about Bubbles? Well, that is a feature that I turn off absolutely first <laughs> whenever I install Facebook Messenger on a new device. Yeah, I hate that so, it's default to on. I, I absolutely hate it with yeah. every fiber of my being. <laughs> um, I and I, I don't like user interface elements that pop out and take over the screen. And, and even if you can move that bubble around, right, that bubble is still there. Especially if someone has a really annoying avatar, you know, because right. people get stupid with their avatars. Like I get, look, I get stupid with my avatars. Yeah, on I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I switch like my avatar like every other week, you know, maybe it's a cartoon character or so, something, you know, because I, I, Facebook is where I mess around, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I try not to get too serious on Facebook. But I, I don't know where they're going to grab that avatar from, whether it's going to be from a, a social media profile or it's set someplace in, in, in Google. It's from I mean, the con it's well, it depends on the app. In messages, like their text messaging app, it'd be from your contact. So you would get to control and set that. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, it would have to be really well implemented for me to want to use this. Yeah, I think there's some pros and cons here. Con, obviously, is it's super annoying to have bubbles or these little avatars floating around your screen. But it's opt-in instead of Facebook Messenger's opt-out for everything. And right. Google's implementation is based on conversation, so not just all across the board. So, and it actually is bundled with another feature that allows you to prioritize conversation threads, which in my opinion is the highlight of this whole thing. Uh, and you don't have to use bubbles with it, but basically what you do, Jason, if you were text messaging me in Google's messages app, I could go in and mark our conversation as priority. And what that would do is automatically enable bubbles. So your avatar would show up on my screen no, no matter what but it also will allow your incoming messages to break through do not disturb settings, as well as it places your icon, your avatar prominently like on the lock screen and in the notification uh, panel up at, up at the top that lets you know you have pending notifications. So I get the appeal of it. I like that it is opt in and I can tailor which contacts and which apps that integrate with Google's new uh, Bubbles API are you know using it but i'm not sold on the fact that i need to access messages and conversations when i'm doing other things i i'll just go to the app i don't i don't know the priority part is my favorite aspect of the entire thing i would actually use that yeah <clears throat> i mean it, it 
look, there's times when I'm on a, a, a trip and I need to know something like my wife and I are talking or the kid is sick or something's going on, something important's going on. And I put on do not disturb because I go into a briefing or whatever it is. Sure. I would like to get that notification still. And it's something I think Apple should 100% implement with iOS 14 uh, when they announced that, what, just a week away, less than a week away now, um, or at some point. We've asked for breakthrough do not disturb text messaging for a while. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy this is coming to Android. And so far, the process of activating it is really simple. You just long press on a notification and it gives you the option to mark it as priority. Like it takes two seconds. Yeah, I like to be, hopefully it does it with deprioritization as well. Cause I, there's like certain days where like my mom is texting me nonstop on stuff and, <laughs> right. and it's not necessarily important stuff. It's just whenever a random thought comes into her head. Um, and I have chatty friends too that, you know, Get yeah. nothing better to do themselves other than annoy me during the middle of the day, right? Um, and look, hey, how many times have I emailed? Have I, have I chatted with you on a Sunday night when you're doing something, and I'm and a random thought comes into my head, and I'm and I'm suddenly chatting with you, and I know you're not happy that I'm chatting with you at that time, but <laughs> you sure you want to be able to deprioritize me for a couple of hours? Now the thing is, can you just do it for deprioritize for four hours or for the for the next twenty four, or can you just say? Um, always deep priorities. I mean, the, the granularity settings I think are, we're going to be important. Yeah. It's either on or off. It's, yeah. There's no, as far as I can tell right now, there isn't a time timeout option. So you, to, to reverse it, you long press on the notification again and just take it back to normal or there's a silent option. Okay. It may not be worded silent, maybe something else quiet. Um, but there's no timer associated with any of it. So it, you have to manually make the change would be nice. Great idea. Like, Facebook Messenger has mute options that are timed. Yep. Um, and so, you know, adding that in, into the system here on Android 11 would be great. So the next setting or next update that uh, Android 11 is highlighting, Google is highlighting in Android 11 is the new privacy features. Now they started to do this with Android 10 and they're taking it to, well, 11 with Android 11. And it's the ability to set one-time permissions for privacy control. So that means your microphone, your camera, your location, all of that stuff used to be either always or never. And now if you open up Instagram and it asks for permission to request your camera and your location, you could hit this time only. And the next time you open the app, it'll ask for that permission again. I think this is, is a tremendous feature. I, I wish that more operating systems took this approach where if I just am going to use an app once, I only want it to access my location once and it doesn't need access to it in the background at all times. Furthermore, Google has added a timeout feature for permissions you've granted in the past. If it detects you haven't used an app for a couple of months, I don't know what the timeout is on it exactly, but let's say you use Reddit and it asks for your location at one point and you haven't opened up the Reddit app for another two months, it's going to reset all of those permissions automatically so the app can't be doing stuff in the background without you realizing what's going on. It's tremendous. I, I absolutely love these privacy features. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I, the idea of, of de-permissioning de uh, or application un automatic application unloading um, in some type of combination. I mean, I know that, for example, iOS has certain application unloading features yeah, um, and I haven't, I haven't really experimented with them. Um, I mean, I haven't. I, ha I think it's more of an automatic thing with iOS. We say, you know, if you don't use this thing in a while, unload it. Um, 
I would like to see that. I don't know if Android currently has that, but I mean, it, it, it could, I would, aside from just depermissioning an app, I like to just take it off my system. If yeah, it's, it, how it works on iPhone is the, the app icon is still there, it's but it has a little there. download icon next, like under, yeah. underneath it next to the name, letting you know the app isn't installed. All your data that the app has created and collected, you know, that you need to like log in all your credentials and stuff yeah. like that is still stored on your device, but the app itself is deleted and it frees up storage space. And it's a kind of an easy reminder to say, hey, I haven't used the app in a while. Maybe I should just delete the entire thing. Android doesn't have that. As far as I know, Google doesn't have the permission timeout, which would be a great next step for them to add to iOS and iPad OS. Um, so my favorite feature in Android 11 so far is the new quick control screen. So how you access this is you long press the power button on your phone. And that pulls up at the top, it has power options. You restart, turn off your phone or call 911. There's an emergency button there. Underneath that is all of your Google Pay cards as well as your boarding passes and anything else you add to Google Pay. And underneath that is a very home, Apple Home app-like grid yeah. of your connected devices around your home that you can one tap control. And my favorite part. Oh, that sounds really cool. I would love to see that on an iPhone even. Right? Yeah, I mean, iPhone has the payment thing with, with, with Apple Pay, but it doesn't have, you can't just pull up all your, your IoT stuff. That would be fantastic. And the best part about it is, Jason, is you don't have to launch. Like if I tap on my Nest thermostat in the Quick Controls panel, it doesn't launch the Nest app to the Nest thermostat page. I can control everything directly from there. I could view my Nest Aware doorbell strictly from that quick control screen without having to dive into the app, which that's cool. Right. The I mean, Nest app is slow and for home automation is that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, you quickly toggle lights, change yeah. the temperature, view who's at my front door, uh, or if, you know, whatever's going on there. It, to me, it is the highlight of everything Android 11 is so far. Like, I, I love it, the UI is great. I don't care that they ripped off Apple's home app with the sure. cards. Uh, it, it, it just looks great and it's so easy to get to. I don't, you don't even have to think about it and, and it's quick. You know, and you can, there is an option to launch the app if you want to do more than what it's offering you. But to me, it, the basic controls are all I need 95% of the time. I don't need that other stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you, and especially if you're going to become a Google Card user, when right. they eventually announce that thing, um, that will be the, the preferred way to get to it on Android. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So those are like the main highlight features that Android 11 has and Google announced with the first public beta. Right now, you, you need a Pixel phone, Pixel 2 or newer to install and take part. It's very buggy. I wouldn't recommend anyone do it on their main phone. Uh, I think they just released an update yesterday to Google Pay to make it even compatible with Android 11. And there's a lot of other issues. Bubbles doesn't really work at all, except for Facebook Messenger, which is ironic. Uh, you know, and there's other issues. So Pixel 2 or newer, you could join and sign up for the beta. OnePlus has announced the Android 11 beta for their 8 and 8 Pro devices. And then there's some Chinese phone makers that have also released an Android 11 beta. Uh, but Jason, I know you have a lot of thoughts and opinions on what Google needs to do with the rest of the time in baking Android 11. What, what, what else would you like them to do? Look, uh, Android 10 is still a very buggy operating system to me. It's very resource intensive. It chews up a lot of power. Um, and it, I don't think it's as, as, as an energy efficient OS as it can possibly be. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and especially when you get into these higher, much higher, and some of this stuff is coming from, you know, Qualcomm to a certain extent, um, you know, the, the, the other Android chip makers, but mostly Qualcomm is, is a very, very, very resource intensive chip. Um, the Snapdragon 865, especially when we start, you know, the upper level versions of those chips. Um, I, I, there has to be some better power management stuff built into that OS. Um, I'd like to see them to be less resource intensive, even though we're talking, you know, Android phones now that have eight gig plus of, of memory in them. I right? mean, Samsung's S20 line has, goes up to, I think, 16 with the base being 12. Gig. Yeah, these, these are, these are becoming monster devices for handhelds. And I mean, so RAM itself doesn't eat up a lot of memory, but uh, doesn't eat up a lot of, of energy. You know, from 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 battery perspective, but you know these phones are, are clocking like crazy right now, and they're and they're, they're just. I mean, some of these phones you really need huge batteries to be able to get through the day, and it, and it makes these phones much bigger and much heavier, and they get very warm, also when they're running. Yeah. Um, I really want to see streamlining stuff occur um, with the Android OS at this point. Um, we know that, an, that that Google's working on a successor to Android, the next major version of Android. When we talk version, we're talking, you know, uh, branch, right? Yeah. You know, so, so Android so, 12, but a completely new section. Right. In the same way that Windows XP went, uh, Windows 95, and then XP, which is a completely different operating system kernel and everything, there will be a new operating system kernel for Android called Fuchsia. Now, there's been leaks of it. There, it is an open source project. It's not really, it doesn't have a ton of developer participation yet. Um, it's a completely different kernel than the Linux kernel that Android uses. It uses completely different system libraries and everything. It's a completely different operating system that will supposedly run Android applications at some point. But so I want to start seeing, you know, the the evidence that they're doing these things, right? And 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 they're going to need to start streamlining. And and there's a lot of cruft. When I mean cruft, I'm talking about legacy stuff built into Android that's been there for a long time, right? You know, all the older APIs and things like that. I mean, if you look at the Android Developer Kit, you know, they're at like API level. I don't know, seventy something. I, the last time I looked at it was a while ago. But they they keep iterating the the numbers. The yeah. higher the number goes the more native you're at in terms of the Android version. So Android 10 would be API level, whatever. I think Android it's 9 close to 30 lower. now. Last I looked at it, it was at like 29, 30. I may be way off, but that was yeah. the last time. But I it's a number, right? Yeah. And the, 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 the older versions of Android have API numbers associated with them. Well, there are still developers that, that write to older level API levels so yeah. that, that there's a common denominator. But that's makes Android more bloated to have all inclusive stuff of versions from five years ago, you know? So they need to, they need to clean that stuff up. They need, they need to finally say developers, Hey, you know what? If you don't do this, if you don't write to this API level, then you can't run on the new devices period. Yeah. It's something know? like what Apple does every once yes. in a while, they say the baseline API or iOS version you have to build for is iOS 12 and anything submitted, um, you have to target that API and anything submitted for as far as app updates go or whatever will be rejected until you comply. Yeah, and, and Google has never has never done anything like that. Yeah, and they need to. They just keep they just keep dragging the bath water with them every single release. And I, I think they need to stop doing that. Yeah, I love going down the rabbit hole of searching the Play Store for a random app idea, like a battery checker, you know, something that'll tell you how many milliamp hours your battery has or whatever it is. 
and you'll find apps that were built for gingerbread, like, you know, Android, like just the very, very first versions of Android. And they're, they're in there and they're advertising. They're there. They're still Absolutely they're there. Yeah. And yeah. they'll run on Android 11 and Android 10. No Not problem. Great, but they do. <laughs> no, no. And they'll cause problems potentially also, but yeah. that's the other thing, you know, so, so that's why we have this quote unquote toxic health stew because we have all this stuff just sitting out there in the play store that was written a million years ago and has never been updated. Yeah. You and know? all the reviews are, please update. Doesn't work on this phone. And that's part of the problem. There's too many phones, too many APIs, too many skins, which I'm hoping with Fuchsia, they're able to take some of that control back and set the tone from the start that, Hey, we own this. This is ours. Here's the rules you are going to play by if you want to be on it. That's their chance. That's their redo. The, the other, the other issue I have is that there is currently no quote unquote, really cheap developer device for, for, for playing around with Android. It used to be, I remember when you could buy a Nexus 7 uh, uh, tablet. Um, tablet. Yeah. It was like $250. It was, yeah, it was very it was a cheap. a great little device. You, there is no $250 developer device. No. For, for I mean, Android. The closest you get to that is a Fire tablet, and those don't run true Android. They run Fire OS. No. Android no. based, but not. And that's a gap in my opinion. So, I mean, hopefully the 4XL helps that when it comes out eventually. But, you know, I, I'd like to see something that, you know, doesn't require, you know, that was, that's, that's targeted for inexpensive software development. You know, that's. Yeah, it would be great. So there are, there's one other feature that is rumored to be coming to Android 11 and it's an airdrop ripoff essentially uh, right. called QuickShare, which allows you to quickly share files and pictures and links and everything else without having to send it via text message. It uses Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to locate your contacts. Uh, and it looks like it's in Android 11 now, it's just not activated. Some people have tinkered around and set the flags and turned it on. Um, and so I, I'm excited to try that out as well, but to your point, they're adding more without taking care of the past. You know what I think they should do? Hmm. I think Apple and Google should use the contact tracing API that nobody's using, and we should use it as an AirDrop replacement. That so would be both, awesome. So, so, yeah. so, so Google, so, so I'm serious. AirDrop and, and, and Android can interoperate. I hate that you cannot do that. Yeah. And that, uh, you got to use a third-party app or something to, to, do, uh, to do phone-to-phone wireless transfer. It's stupid that we, we can't do that now. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, and the fact that no one is using that contact tracing API at all and the built-in Bluetooth mechanisms and everything else, uh, yeah, I wonder how much work it would be to convert it to an airdrop cross-platform solution. I don't think it would be much work at all. I don't think it would be a lot of work at all. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So we expect Android 11 to launch sometime in Q3, usually is middle of August. Uh, they have some sort of event and who knows what that'll look like this year, but they usually do an online event or a very small private in-person event in New York where they announce it and fully launch it comes first to pixel phones and then kind of trickles out to the rest of the Android ecosystem, which at some point your phone's going to get it maybe a year or two <laughs> who really knows. Uh, so I look forward to seeing the next few updates and what else is added to it. But any closing thoughts, Jason? No, you know, I think that, you know, uh, virtual develop, virtual events, you know, I think are the future for a lot of these, these very, very large event type things. Let's, let's face it, but let's, assuming that we get a, um, a vaccine, right, for COVID-19, and suddenly we can all go back out again, 
what's the incentive to go fly across the country for some of us, uh, you know, sp spend that money on that airplane, spend that money on that, uh, that hotel room and, and, and room and board going out to eat, all that stuff. It's an expensive proposition yeah. to, it, to attend a developer conference unless you are, you know, the Microsofts of the world or, some, or a giant game developer. Um, you know, right. an independent developer, uh, you know, a, you, a guy like me right, in, his, in his house living in Florida, right? If I had to fly out to the, the Bay Area, that's expensive. It's really expensive. I mean, we're talking $3,000 plus for the week, to, 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 even, even if I'm eating ultra cheap. Not, you know, not counting your ticket. Forget it. Yeah. So it's an expensive proposition. I think the balance of us would like to be able to attend these remotely as long as the networking functions of, because I mean, one thing is going to the, to the keynotes, um, classroom environments can be done remotely, but the thing that's really difficult to do, and that's something that I'm, I'm tackling within the organization that I currently work for, because we have a lot of events for, for open source people, sure. um, is the networking, the face-to-face -face in the hallway. Hey, how you doing? Where I'm holding my coffee, I'm talking to you. Hey, what, what are you working on? Oh, really? I mean, are you working with that API and stuff? You know, I'm currently pro working in this programming language. What are you working in? Oh, okay. So I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on, the social, the face-to-face so, the -to -face social aspects that developers want. Um, you need to be able to get that out of a virtual platform. And I think that is where these, these companies, Google, Apple, and so on, Microsoft, they're going to need to figure out how to do that with their developer conferences. Yes, sitting down a group of 20 people in front of a Zoom call isn't going to lead to the same conversations. You're going to have a couple people dominate the call, and right. everyone else is going to sit in the background checking their Twitter feed. So it will be interesting to see how everyone adapts and overcomes those challenges in the coming weeks. We'll get a first preview of it next week with WWDC uh, 2020 uh, that Apple is holding and they are doing some special stuff for developers, but that is more one-on-one uh, -on -one time with people within Apple and uh, getting help there. So yeah, like I said, I look forward to seeing what else Google has in store for Android 11 later this year. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perler. And this is Jason Squared. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.